With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering you to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway Pierce. All of you and welcome to the Speedway Show for a different kind of conversation about what makes relationships tick. If you didn't catch last week's show, I was very excited because I launched the official website for this show. Please check it out at www.thespeedwayshow.com. This is the place where you can listen to the shows, see what's coming up, read and post comments, and send me an email and lots of other things. If Facebook is more your speed, you can join in the discussion and listen to posted on-demand shows on your own time on the fan page, facebook.com slash The Speedway Show. And you can also follow the show on Twitter, and the handle is twitter.com slash, you guessed it, The Speedway Show. Today, I have a guest who first appeared on the show on July 3, and we did a show called Your Happiness your misery, your choice. It was an excellent and very popular show. So if you missed it, take the time to listen to it on thespeedwayshow.com. My guest's name is Barbara Hoffmeister, and she's coming to us all the way from Germany, and she is an Amazon.com best-selling author. You can pick up a copy of her book on Amazon.com. Now, based on her popularity, Barbara is back today, and um, she's going to share with us from her series called Moments to Be. And you'll be interested to know that we're going to do our own series of Moments to Be, where Barbara's going to join us um, um, if everything goes as planned about once a month, and she's going to share with us her wisdom on different Moments to Be. Now, if you'd like to pick up a copy of her audio CD, and I highly, highly encourage that you do, it's entitled Moments to Be. Um, if you are listening to this show online, you can just click on the box describing this show, and um, that is where you will find a link to her audio CD. Now, a bit more about Barbara. In addition to being a best-selling author, she is an internationally renowned speaker and expert on the topic of human growth. In the last few years alone, she has spoken to over 15,000 people, helping them to get their dreams back and the courage to make them come true. Uh, Barbara, welcome to the Speedway Show. Well, thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Speedway. Thank you. Now, I'm happy one to of be the back. things. Well, good. I'm glad. 
Um, and I'm sure so are the listeners because they really liked the last show that you and I did together. Now, listeners, one of the things that makes this show so different from our relationship, from other relationship discussions, is that we uh, talk about the life manual as a guidepost for our discussions because you have to have some sort of standard by which you measure. Now, if you're wondering what a life manual is, it is the manual that comes with your body, mind, and spirit. And depending on your personal persuasion, you may use the Hebrew Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Christian Bible, or some other holy writing that speaks to you. And the reason we call it a life manual is because while expressed in different ways, the underlying truths about living right, uh, living a godly life tend to be the same. Now, in the past, when we have had shows, and I have asked this question, I have received answers to what is your life manual like. Yes, and my life manual is the Bible, and no, I don't read a life manual, but here's what I believe and here's how I am spiritually centered. And the reason we ask that question is because we all want, and and part of the goal of the show really is to create a a, a loving uh, environment where people from all walks of life, regardless of their belief system, can come together and talk about the things that we share in common. Because you can go anywhere and listen to the things that make us different. And this is a place where we really want to focus on the common themes and the common issues that all of us have around how do we create more successful relationships in our lives. So with that introduction, I'm going to turn back to our guest speaker, uh, Barbara, and I'm going to ask you the question that I uh, have taken to asking all my guests, and that is, do you use a life manual? And if you don't, share with us your philosophy on spirituality. Good question there. I don't use a life manual. In, I mean, I don't use a religious life manual. Okay, I'm Christian. However, I don't use the Bible as my guideline or anything like that. I just, I think we just never used it in my family, and it's sort of okay. <laughs> it just was never, never there. However, I do believe that there is a higher power. Uh huh. That. Uh, that sort of looks after us <laughs> and yeah. helps us. I believe that very much. I pray to God almost every night uh, to give thanks, mm-hmm. but I don't define it as the man with the white beard that uh, we tend to see God as. You know, for me, it is a, a spiritual being that is not embodied. And um, yeah, I believe that. The create the creator and the creation is within each and every one of us, mm-hmm. and that's what makes us so incredibly powerful. When yeah. we actually run, let it run. You know, when we actually dare to go for that power, when we actually dare to live our life to the fullest, it is in each and every one of us creation, and we are part of creation, and therefore we are. The create the creator really, you know, every one of us a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's my philosophy, and I run really well with that, I must say, because 
it also it also means to me that there is no ending when we when we leave our physical body there is no ending because we go back to the light and we go back to spirit and uh, yes so you know there is also no fear there of death or anything like that which is uh, great because I talk about that quite frequently with people, and there's so much fear there and so much mystery there. And, of course, some religions uh, talk about, you know, if you are good here, then you are going to be received in a good place, and if you're not good here, hmm, I'm not sure about mm-hmm. that concept, really. Because in my eyes, God is a loving Father, whatever yeah. that God might be. You know, I'm not talking about the Christian God in particular. Um, and a loving father would never send their children uh, to a bad place <laughs> mm-hmm. for any length of time, for sure. And so for me, that that doesn't exist. It's just, uh, it's all good. All good. Well, you know, um, one of the things that uh, I, I've read over the course of my life and actually attend a, um, me- a meditation group called the Minneapolis Meditation Group sometimes, and it was founded by a gentleman by the name of Paramahansa Yogananda who wrote a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. And in there, he's, he's, he really focuses on the spiritual aspect of God's nature, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, human beings, we are, we are, we are spirit, because we are made in the image yep. of our Father, who yep. is spirit. And actually, if you read parts of the Bible, you know, in the New Testament, in the Christian Bible, um, Paul talks about the definition. Paul defines God exactly as you have. He said, you know, God is spirit. And so it's, 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 a, it's a concept that would tend to suggest that spirit is formless, and because we are human beings and we are entrapped in a human form, we tend to like to distill things down to a human form, whereas in fact, actually, you know, for God to be omnipotent and for God to be everywhere and for God to be in your heart, which is quite true because even, again, if you look at um, uh, what Jesus said about his father, he said, you know, the kingdom of God is within you. So don't believe those people who say, look here, and it's over here, and it's over there in the end of days, because it is within you, and you go within. And that's how you connect with that spiritual center that is um, God. And, you know, I think you're, you're absolutely right that it's not a Christian God, per se, because if you look at um, the Hindu religion, for example, what every Hindu that I've ever spoken to, and I'm not certainly not a an expert on Hinduism, but what I have been told is that it is a myth that Hindus worship multiple gods because actually they worship one god, and it is one god in the in different aspects and different you know contexts of his personality or her personality. But most of the uh, of the major religions that you know have some sort of definition of God, it is the same one God. So when the Muslims talk about Allah, they're talking about the 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 one whom you know we call uh, Christians will call God the God the Father, and the Jews have you know Yahweh. But but it's the same. So I appreciate very, very much your comments about that because I think it's when we come together like this and have these conversations that we grow and and we learn. So 
let us start with, uh, let's talk about moments to be. Tell us what moments to be is. Well, moments to be are short messages, short inspirational messages or practical advice. And just, they are audio messages and they are one to three minutes long, three minutes being the absolute maximum. Why did I make them so short? Actually, because a friend of mine who runs a radio show asked me to do that. You know, she said, why don't you record some short audio messages and uh, send them to me and I can play them on my show? And I thought, oh, oh. what a nice idea. <laughs> so uh, that's what I did. You know, I recorded a few. I started to enjoy and I thought, this is great. We are all so busy these days. You know, nobody has time to listen to an hour's audio or or. So I thought, wow, this is great. I will just record a message per day. Okay. And and sort of in the end have an audio book, 365 moments to be. So people start their day off, for instance, on the way to work or while they're having their breakfast. They just listen to one or two of these short messages and sort of start their day off that way in a positive mood, being motivated, being inspired. That's how it all started. So thanks to my friend, Princess Odilia, who gave me the idea or who asked me to do that. She's quite a demanding lady, lovely lady. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, you should do that. You know, I will play it on my radio show. Okay, so I did. And uh, and I got really excited. So now I'm recording them. And uh, the first CD is already in the market. Uh, The first 20 moments to be and uh, people can get them. Actually, at the moment, they can get them free of charge even, and uh, they just have to go to my website, uh, learntobebook.com, and look for the moments to be, and they can get it free of charge. All they need to do is pay the shipping and handling. Oh, that's really exciting. And so give us a flavor. We're going to talk about uh, two of the moments to be today, but give us a flavor of the kinds of topics that uh, you would address over the course of 365 moments to be. Oh, anything really that comes up. We will talk about how to achieve our dreams, uh, what it takes, you know, the the three steps to success, for instance, what is life's main question? Who am I? <laughs> um, we will talk about fears, about challenges, how to overcome hurdles, so mm-hmm. how to deal with adversity. I mean, anything that comes up in everyday life that we need to deal with that, uh, you know, I might be able to give a different perspective, a new perspective, or I might be able to share a practical tip that I use for myself or for my clients and help other people do that, you know, go through that, whatever it might be, and to see. I think the main thing is really that people can start to see different perspectives and get a new idea of what they can do. Because I remember when I was uh, uh, working with Jim Rohn years and years ago, um, he was one of my mentors, and... I had one of his CDs in my car. I remember that very vividly. In those days, he still had CDs. Uh, no, not CDs, cassettes, cassette tapes. And I had a cassette tape in, in my car. And I listened to that, I don't know how long, but for several months, every day, parts of it, you know, wherever it was when I started the car. And 
so often I thought, wow, why didn't he say that before, you know? <laughs> it was like I listened to the same tape 200 times, and I kept hearing different things. And I thought, wow, this is really true. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. You know, you will hear the message. And it's been said to you 150 times, but now you are ready and you can hear it. And so I think these messages are going to really help people, yeah, get on with their well, life and make it even better. And to your point, you know, Barbara, I think that probably what people would find is if you are listening to these moments, there will be some moments that immediately resonate with you and there are some moments that you will listen to but not really hear. And then when you listen to them again, mm-hmm. then you'll hear things for the first time yep. as you go, why, you know, I've listened to this, I've listened to the CD 20 times and I'm just really, really figuring out what this means. And exactly. um, I think that's part of the beauty of, of the moment. So now today we are going to talk about receiving compliments and criticism because, you know, I think uh, I thought it was really good that you chose these two topics because I think most people um, don't do these particularly well. So why don't you tell uh, our listeners why these two topics, these two areas um, were important to you? They were important, particularly important to me because I used to be one of those insecure people that could not receive a compliment because I didn't think I deserved it. And I didn't think that consciously. You know, I didn't tell myself, you don't deserve anything. No, I didn't. But this is how I felt about myself. I was very insecure as a young woman because of lots of things that happened in my youth. And uh, I could not take a compliment. When somebody gave me a compliment, I pushed it away. I thought very often I felt insulted because I thought they were making fun of me. I mean, I, I literally got upset <laughs> when somebody oh. said something nice. Can you imagine? And I know quite <laughs> a few people who are like that. You know, you say something nice to them and they brush it off, they push it away, or they, they actually get angry because they just oh, can't no. take it. So this is very important, and you will notice that people that are insecure, they might pretend to be uh, to be confident. These mm-hmm. are the people not quite often that we see as arrogant, but in reality, behind their facade, behind their Berlin Wall, <laughs> they actually are insecure, and wow. they are just sort of pretending to be something else, and that's who I was in those days. So. Yeah, I really know what I'm talking about. And the other one, receiving, uh, uh, handling criticism, that for me goes a little bit hand in hand, those two. That's why I recorded them one after the other. Because uh, handling criticism, I just had this case very, very recently with the lady that does my fingernails. And she, I could feel that something was going on. You know, she wasn't too happy on that day. And, you know, I give her some coaching while I'm sitting there if she feels that she needs it. And on that day, she needed something. And she told me that a friend had criticized her behind her back, and she heard it from another friend, and I don't like that at all, you know, because you never get the real message when it goes through two or three hands. So we should never take that to heart. But she did, and she started crying, and it had been weeks since she'd heard this. And I thought, wow, I mean, this is so devastating for some people. They take criticism, 
them, whether directly or indirectly, so much to heart. They take it so personal, and they really hurt. And they don't understand that criticism is just the opinion of another person. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's just their opinion. And in that moment when they when they speak out that criticism, they might be in a bad mood, you know, they might have had a bad day, they might have had a tough day, they might be angry with somebody else and they let it out on you because you are their best friend or you are their spouse. And and sometimes, you know, that's what we do. We let it out on the people closest to us. And, you know, it probably has nothing to do with you at all. And so I think those two things go really well together. That's why I wanted to use them as examples so that people uh, can hopefully learn something and uh, and approach criticism and praise and compliments with totally different and much more open and much more joyful approach. Well, wonderful. Now, we're going to launch into, uh, we're going to explore a little bit more this whole idea of compliments and how do you, how do you, how do you receive them. And uh, listeners, one of the things that you know if you've listened to more than one of these shows is I love to use audio clips because sometimes there is just that uh, combination of words that very aptly um, encompasses what we're trying to convey. And the, the, the wonderful thing about this show with Barbara today is I get to use Barbara's clips. And so the first one we're going to listen to is on being a good receiver. Take a listen. This is Barbara Hofmeister from BarbaraHofmeister.com with her moment to be. And today we want to talk about the second step, right? I said you must know what you want. We talked about that in depth. And you must believe that you can make it happen, that you are good enough, that you know enough, that you have the skills and abilities necessary to make your dream true. That is essential. And way too many people have no true belief in themselves. Way too many people belittle themselves continuously. Why is it that we tend to take criticism much more to heart than we do a compliment? Does that make sense? Do we want to feel bad? I don't think so. But this is what we constantly do. Before today, just take that to heart. When you get a compliment, embrace it. Embrace it. Open your arms and say thank you. Did you get that? When you get a compliment, whether it's in writing or verbally, or when you notice it because somebody looks at you so lovingly or appreciates it, open your arms wide and receive that compliment with pleasure. Take that appreciation in and then close your arms and put your hands over your heart and close that compliment into your heart. That's a way, an easy way, to build your confidence, you believe in yourself. In our next moment to be, I will share with you how to deal with criticism constructively. This is Barbara Hofmeister from BarbaraHofmeister.com with the moment to be. Wow. 
And um, if I remember correctly, Barbara, they, uh, listeners, if they would like to visit com, they can also get um, a copy of the CD series from there, too. Isn't that so? Well, from there, they will be take. you know, barbarahoffmeister.com is my hub page. From from there, they can go to all of my other pages. But right now, the moments to be are only on the book page, but they can go from, from that page to the book page. Okay. So let's let's talk about this whole concept of receiving compliments. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, when you when you did that particular clip, you repeated the instruction. Um, and and I'm guessing there's a there's a reason for that. And you said, did you get that? What made you what made you say it twice? <laughs> yeah, because I think it's really important. Um, well, we listen to things once, and we don't really hear it all. You know, we might be distracted. We might not totally agree with what the speaker says. I know that also from seminars. I still go to seminars every year to workshops, and sometimes I'm just sort of drifting off mentally, not 100% there. But when they say, hey, did you hear that? Or did you get that? Did you write it down or whatever, you know, I sort of, wake up and come back to, to what's happening right there and then. And um, because I think it is so important that people understand uh, why we take uh, compliments less serious than we take criticism, and so they can start appreciating. And they will also notice when you start to uh, appreciate the appreciation that you are getting from others, from the outside world, then you can also um you also start to see yourself in a in a more positive light unfortunately i mean it should not be necessary that that we need outside appreciation to love ourselves but for many of us that is absolutely essential we wait for it and quite often people don't say it they take it for granted because you know, whatever we do, we've been doing for some time and it's taken for granted. But as soon as we make a small mistake, bloom, uh, you know, we get a kick in the butt. And and yeah. so depending, of course, on the environment that you live in and the type of people that are around you, but unfortunately people tend to praise less than they tend to criticize. That's just a fact of life. And when we start doing that to ourselves, then, I mean, for instance, I can do that. I now do that to myself, uh, even when I praise myself. And I do praise myself, people. (laughs) I I pat myself on the back all the time. Why? Because I come from that, you know, I, I come from being very insecure and having no belief in myself. And I used every trick there is to really make myself love myself and to make myself appreciate myself because if we don't do that, how can we expect the world to do it? We can't. Uh, You know, that's interesting Mm -hmm. because one of the things that you and I have in common is we both like uh, Zig Ziglar, Mm -hmm. um, who happens to be my favorite motivational speaker. And what you said just triggered something that I heard him say in one of his uh, audio CDs or audio books, which was, the most important conversation is the conversation you have with yourself. And so it it really is important to be positive because I think most people don't really have very positive 
self-perceptions. And, you know, you talked earlier about how you used to uh, not receive compliments. And is it your experience that this, the way that you describe that is typically how most people treat compliments when they get them? Quite often. And it, you know, I mean, some of us have been told that, that it's conceited if you if you take a compliment sort of openly, I can tell you that uh, when I get a compliment today, I beam. I mean, you can see that I'm enjoying it, right? And in many cases, I really open, physically open my arms wide, and mm-hmm. I take that compliment in, as I explained on the audio, and I put my hands over my heart, and I say thank you. And so people really see that I've enjoyed that, you know, I enjoyed getting that compliment. And, of course, that also helps because people might be tempted to give you more compliments <laughs> in the future. Yes. But the main reason is that you note it and that you really take it to heart, that you, this is why I take my hands and put them over my heart, you know, and really put the compliment in there. It's an anchoring technique from, from NLP that I use there. It's, uh, you know, you can put your anchors anywhere you want. And I put those compliment anchors, those uh, praise, I put that all over my heart. So that's my my anchor for this type of positive outside feedback. But, of course, the most important feedback is from ourselves. Isn't it true that we are so fast at criticizing ourselves? And I am telling you that I still catch myself at it at times. I was at the Festival of Enlightenment in June in Colorado, right? It's a very special event. I mean, I hope that everybody comes next year. We're doing it again in June next year in Colorado. And uh, at the festival, I was with my niece, and she traveled with me for the first time. And I love her to bits. And so she was also in this environment for the first time, a full week with uh, very positive, like-minded people. It was amazing. And and so one day I caught myself saying, ah, oh, so stupid of you, because I'd forgotten something. And And she sort of looked up and grinned. And I said, yeah, I know, I shouldn't say that to myself because I keep, I keep, telling people they shouldn't do that, you know, and here I am (laughs) catching myself at it. And she said, you know, you've already done it a couple of times in the last few days. I said, you have to tell me, you have to tell me, because it's such a long-term habit that you've started maybe when you were a kid or something, that you told yourself off all the time, you know, you said, oh, what an idiot, you know, how stupid of you, you know, even for small things, nothing important. When it's important, I catch myself because then it's important, right? But when it's not important, when it's something small, I don't always catch myself. And this is why I still have that habit, which uh, which I find horrible. And, of course, as, you, as Sig Sigler said, the most important conversation is the conversation with ourselves. And when the conversation with ourselves is disempowering, this is why it's important to use affirmations, for instance, to say, I am great, you know, I am loving, I am beautiful, I am what have you. I mean, you choose yourself. Um, why? Because we want to change from that sort of, from those disempowering thoughts. 
and move to the thoughts that really serve us and that give us the power and that let us be the creation, you know, the full creation that uh, God made us to be. Well, and, you know, one of the other things that's interesting is that when someone gives you a compliment and you do not receive it well, then it makes them feel better. I remember listening to a friend of mine who was uh, talking to, he was talking about giving his wife compliments. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm not, I really don't want to give her compliments anymore because, you know, she makes it so hard. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, I will say something like, you look really nice today. And she'll say, really? Well, well, what do I look like the rest of the time? Do I not look good the rest of the time? And yeah. he's thinking, well, I didn't mean that. And then yeah. she'll say, well, what is it about me today that looks nice? And he's thinking, I don't know. You just look nice today. <laughs> All I wanted to say was you just look nice today. And um, he says, you know, you get into the psychoanalytical cycle, and it's just it's just hard. All I wanted to say was pay you this compliment, and a thank you would have been just fine. But then yeah. we now, you know, all of a sudden it almost turns into an argument because I was just trying to give my wife a compliment. And uh, I thought that was so interesting, and it's, it's, it's just what you're describing where, you know, for the receiver of the compliment, it's hard to receive. But I think also sometimes for the giver of the compliment, it's a very unsatisfying and it can be a negative experience. Mm-hmm. If if the person you're trying to give it to doesn't receive it well, have you found that also to be the case? Definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> and I know, I mean, here in Germany we have a lot of uh, comedians that talk about the differences between men and women, and also I know that in the States you have that. And uh, And they always talk about that, that women question everything. And, you know, we should not question and a compliment, just take it as it was given, as a compliment, and it's all good, and we don't have to question it, what happens on the other days, am I not beautiful on, you know, on the other days, you know, because we can work ourselves into a frenzy, I mean, your friend's wife, (laughs) she can work herself in a frenzy there, you know, oh, well, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't, I'm not beautiful on the other days, and he doesn't think I'm beautiful. Uh, He doesn't love me anymore because I'm not that beautiful. You know, you talk yourself into that kind of uh, BS because it's not true. It's just your imagination. If you are insecure within yourself and you start asking yourself those questions, you can really get a very negative answer from yourself, very negative and destructive. And it comes out, I know, because it really happened to me when I was young, because that's how I thought, you know. If somebody said something nice, I looked for the bad message behind it. What are you really trying to say? Is what you're Yeah, what are you really trying to say? You know, don't I look good on Mm -hmm. the other days? Uh, You know, what's wrong with me? Am I too fat? Am I this? Am I that? And I'm sure that some women can relate to that one. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So now in, in the audio clip we played, you talked about opening your arms wide and really embracing that compliment, and you put your hand over your heart. And as I was listening to the clip, you know, I was I, I had my eyes closed, and I was just mentally visualizing the act of truly embracing in that way this mm-hmm. compliment. 
So when somebody receives a compliment, now you, I, and I thought it was interesting that you said you actually physically open your arms wide and receive that yes. compliment. And and it's kind of a visual cue, too, to the person who's giving the compliment that, wow, this person's really, you know, hearing what I'm saying. So for the for for everybody who's out there, you go out into the world uh, and somebody gives you a compliment at work, uh, are you suggesting then that we all physically open our arms wide and receive that compliment that way, or do we visualize it? What is what is it that we 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 should? How do we how do we make that happen? I mean, if you feel comfortable doing it visually, I recommend that you do that because it emphasizes it. It reinforces it even more for your body, you know, so that you have the physical motion together with the with the emotion that comes up when we receive a compliment and we know how to re- receive it. But we can also visualize it. I mean, obviously, there will be situations that you can't sort of open your arm wide and put your breast out. And I'm just standing like this as I'm talking and actually sort of, hmm, you know, that would maybe not work <laughs> in all occasions. But definitely if it works, you know, if it's not... Uh, too over the top, then do it physically. Definitely it enforces it. But if if you think it would be too much, let's say you are working in a large corporation and the CEO of the company is pay, paying you a compliment, might not be the right place to sort of open your arms wide and, and sort of <laughs> beam and say, oh, wow, you know. Yeah, <laughs> then you just take it. But, you know, it depends on everyone. I don't mind... Uh, Sometimes also I do things over the top so that people see uh, see how I do stuff, you know, so uh-huh. that they see that I really appreciate this compliment and that for me it has a lot of meaning. When I get feedback, for instance, from clients or even on Facebook or wherever it might be, that people uh, pay, uh, a feed, give a feedback to my work or to my book or to the moments to be, for me, that's really moving. That's really important. And I read it more than once, and I really appreciate it, and I love it. For instance, when when uh, it was my birthday and I had hundreds of happy birthday messages on Facebook, I answered every single one. And a couple of people said, I don't believe it. I was watching. You were doing this for three hours. Wow. Uh, they were on Facebook at the same time, you know, and they said, wow, I was watching this. You were doing it for several hours. You said thank you to every single person. I said, yeah, because I really appreciate that. You know, I felt a bit, it was a bit too much because it was going on and on and on, you know. I thought <laughs> I could do it faster. But then I thought, okay, I can't leave the last 15 hours out because I gave thanks to everybody else. And it's mm-hmm. too late to give a general thank you. And I thought, no, I really appreciate that they took the time to wish me a happy birthday. I really appreciate that. So why not show them that appreciation back? Well, that's funny. And your birthday is on May the 29th, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so is mine. And um, oh, I remember oh, seeing... I remember seeing on your blog you had uh, some pictures on about your birthday, and I thought, Wow! We have the exact same birth date, which happens to also be, which makes me laugh all the time when I find someone with the same birthday. But May the 29th, you know, uh, happens to be from an astrology per, uh, perspective, the sign of the twins. And 
uh, so I always, when I find other Geminis with the same date, it's like, oh, look, my other twin, this is great. Um, so now, let's talk And about we are good, you know, the people that are born on May 29th, all the ones that I know are good. <laughs> they came out well. well. <laughs> I, I, I would I would definitely agree, and I think May the twenty ninth babies also get along really really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's quite possible because I used to have uh, two other friends that were born on the same date. That's mm-hmm. true. I yeah. mean, in my youth and you know, in my travels, but yeah, definitely. So no now, Barbara, I think our. Our next topic is huge because most of us also, again, do such a bad job of handling criticism. Now, in your experience, how do people typically deal with criticism? Well, there's, in general, there's two ways. One person doesn't let it close to them. They just sort of push it away, nothing to do with me. And uh, I don't think that's the right way to handle it either, you know. And the other one, of course, I already talked about that, that really takes it to heart and takes it super personal and suffers from it and doesn't know how to deal with it and really suffers for an amount of time. You know, Mm -hmm. some people suffer from criticism all their lives. Just look at what happens sometimes in schools. When my niece was maybe 11 or something like that, her math teacher told her that she will never amount to anything in math. Oh. Ah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that guy should be fired. I mean, how can you as a teacher say something like that to a child? Yeah. I mean, you can't even teach. It's just, yeah. Anyway, that's well, what he said, and she took it serious. And she never so, amounted to anything in math. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's so interesting because criticism can be so predictive in that when we hear criticism, sometimes we move towards that prediction. And, you know, back to Zig Ziglar, I remember one day he said there was a study that was done in a prison, and they found that 90% of the people who were incarcerated in that prison had been told over and over by their parents that one day you're going to end up in prison. You know, they might do something wrong Mm. at home when they're a child, and, you know, Dad, in his annoyance, will say, you know, you keep doing that, and one day you're going to end up in prison. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, sure enough, 90% of of those, those men and women had been told which I thought was just kind of a mind-boggling similarity, and and it's exactly what you're saying, that if someone keeps giving you negative feedback, oftentimes we find that easy to embrace, and not only do we embrace it, but then it turns into who we become. Yeah, that is unfortunately true. Uh, And really, I want people to be listening to this very carefully and maybe listen again to the show later on, because this can really change your life if you understand that criticism is just the opinion of another person. It has nothing to do with the truth, nothing. We yeah. do make mistakes, and maybe sometimes the other person is right, and, you know, to help us uh, improve, yes. Constructive criticism is needed because another person has a different point of view, and they can show you a way how you can improve 
Toastmasters works on that concept. You know, that's the main concept of, of Toastmasters is that you give constructive feedback, you give constructive right. criticism, and uh, and that's all good. However, most in most cases, people criticize without thinking about it, and they just criticize the person. They don't criticize the behavior, and also parents, very important. When you criticize your children, criticize the behavior, not the child. Don't say you are. Yes. Say your behavior was not to my liking, whatever it was, you know. Talk about the behavior, about what they have done, because the behavior is not the person. It's not who they are. It's not who we are. It is just a behavior. And in many cases, it's learned behavior that we copy from others, you know, that we've maybe seen as a child and we thought because our parents did it that it was okay to do that. And then we learn later on as an adult that it's not okay to do that. <laughs> and like you said, if, if somebody tells you more than once, and sometimes once is enough, but if somebody keeps telling you a negative message all the time that you are blum, 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 and you start to believe it for sure. I know I was about 40 years old when I started working in an office in, uh, in Munich. And I was, by that time, a confidence woman. You know, I was already in personal development for quite some time. And I did a fantastic job. I mean, seriously, even so I say it myself, I did a great job. My boss showed me what was, you know, what I had to do for three days. Then he went for a five-week vacation, and I ran the whole place. I mean, I was the assistant to a managing director. I ran the whole place. It really worked. We made a good profit in that time, you know, and everybody was happy. He came back. He didn't like that, uh, you know, I'd taken over, which I had to do because, I mean, you you know, he was gone for a long time. And then Mm -hmm. I started doing things my style, obviously. I wasn't there long enough to do it his style. And... um, and so he started to uh, to mob me, you know, to really put me down. And I, I counted one morning. We started work at 9. By 10.30, he had criticized me 12 times, 12 times in 90 minutes. Wow. And Yeah, exactly. And, Spirit, I tell you that after a few months with him, I was destroyed. I was totally without believe that I could do anything in that office. I mean, really, because he put me down so many times every day. Everything I did was wrong that in the end, I really started to make those mistakes. Not consciously. I started to make the mistakes. I was not able anymore towards the end before I left. I was not able anymore to even file away normal documents in the right order. It was amazing. I was... I was like outside myself watching what was happening. I couldn't believe it. And well, when I when, yeah, when I finally realized what was happening, you know, and I really saw it, and I saw it, uh, I remember one day I was filing away, you know, documents for, you know, banking stuff and all that for our accountant, and I noticed that I'd made mistakes, and more than one, you know. I thought, wow, he's right. I thought, okay, this didn't happen in the beginning, and it doesn't normally happen to me. And I I analyzed it, and I thought, yeah, it is, because he keeps telling me every day 50 times. 
Yeah. So now I'm actually doing it. And this is when I told him, okay, this is it. I'm <laughs> off. <laughs> that that was the last day I think I worked there. We, we have to be aware that we do let ourselves be influenced by people from the outside, whether it's our families, our friends, our uh, spouses, obviously, uh, our parents, our children, our colleagues, and our bosses. So we've got to be careful what we let into our lives and what we let inside because we are not, once it's inside of us, it's in our subconscious, we're not aware of it anymore. So we've got to be careful who we mix with. What are the people around us? Jim Rohn always said that, and, and a lot of people say, T.R. Vecker always says that. Uh, he, he says, uh, I can tell you how, the state of your bank account when I see the five friends that, are, that you spend most of your time with. And, and oh. he's right. Mm-hmm. And he, he's right, because this is the strongest influence in our life, are the people that we spend the most time with. This is true. So now let's listen to the other clip that you promised in the first clip, which is how to handle criticism. Listeners, take a listen to this. This is Barbara Hoffmeister from BarbaraHoffmeister.com with a moment to be. Last time we talked about being a good receiver of compliments and how that can help build your confidence. I will go further into confidence building in one of the next moments to be because that is really vital for you to succeed. But today we want to look at how to receive criticism. Well, first of all, you need to understand that criticism is just the opinion of someone. It has nothing to do with the truth. It has nothing to do with reality, with what really is. It's just the opinion of another person. Also, be aware that there's two types of criticism, constructive and destructive. Constructive criticism has one goal, and that is to help you. Destructive criticism has only one single goal, and that is to put you down. This is a type of criticism you want to push away from yourself. And as I'm saying it, I'm pushing my hand in a stop sign away from you. That's what you need to do. Don't let it get anywhere near you because that has nothing to do with you. They're not criticizing you. They're criticizing their own shortcomings. So forget that. Just push it away. Never take that too hard. Constructive criticism is totally different. It is when somebody likes what you do, that they see ways how you can further improve that, and they share those ways with you. These are the type of criticism you need to implement. At least try it out, or maybe it will work. This is the whole concept of Toastmasters thing. Give constructive criticism. As of now, I want you to see the difference between envious, jealous criticism that you will push away immediately and not even listen to, and constructive criticism where people are sincerely trying to help you improve. This is Barbara Hoffmeister from BarbaraHoffmeister.com with your moment to be. Wow. So now... 
you know, it's it's such an interesting thing because it seems like the way that we handle criticism and compliments is should be exactly the opposite because we we tend to push away the compliments and then mm-hmm. you know without even thinking about where this criticism might be coming from and what might be driving it and whether it's true we just embrace it and mm-hmm. so my question for you is you know what do you think drives people to handle criticism the way that we do hmm. yeah i thought about that a lot <laughs> a lot um, I, I think it must be in our culture because you don't have it as much in the Asian culture, for instance. They don't seem to hurt each other as much as we do in our mm-hmm. culture. In our culture, it's like we aim at perfectionism, which we can never get. Mm-hmm. And so everything that is under our standards of perfectionism, which most of us don't live anyway, you know, is just sort of, this is the the high standard that we want to achieve, but we we hardly ever do. Yeah. Uh, we we criticize, and because so many of us are so unsatisfied with our lives, we are so frustrated that we let it out. You know, I used to be pretty bad in my youth when I was still this insecure young woman. I tell you, I lashed out quite often. I was mm-hmm. bad tempered, and I criticized people frequently and this is why i say it comes from their own shortcomings when people criticize you yeah destructively uh, it's it's what they see in you that they see in themselves maybe and mm-hmm. don't want to admit so they criticize it it's like you know when you're really frustrated and really angry and you start shouting and, and, or you call, I mean, we women, we call our friends and we talk about it and we let it <laughs> yes, all out, you know. And, and Did you hear what she said to me? Yes. Huh? That's what we do. We call our friends and we say, did you hear what she said to me? <laughs> yeah. And, and then we let it all out and we feel better. Men don't do that. So, you know, we are definitely different. But <clears throat> in all cases... I think it has to do with frustration, it has to do with anger, it has to do, not consciously, you know, I'm not saying that people who criticize are consciously aware that they are criticizing. Quite Mm -hmm. often they really mean well, they mean to help you with that, you know, they see it as a shortcoming, but in, in many, many, many cases it is not your shortcoming, it is theirs, and this is what they're criticizing. And really, you know, don't overanalyze it. I really, I've gone away from that to try to overanalyze what is the motivation of the other person uh, to do whatever they did. You know, it's not our job to analyze that. Let them live their life and be tolerant and be open and loving and respectful and let them be in their whatever it might be. Unless they choose to open up and and ask for help, then, of course, we need to help them. But I don't overanalyze why people do what they do. Because it's, it's, you know, it can hurt you so badly. I tell you one example from my own life. When my mom fell ill some years ago, she had an apartment in her family's home. 
I mean, where she was born, right? And she paid rent in that, in that place. I mean, in her parents' home. Uh, now her sister lives in it, and and my cousin lives in it, and <clears throat> she paid rent for that small apartment because she wanted to visit her family, you know, whenever she felt like it. So she paid rent to them. When she fell ill, just you know, she was in hospital for three months. I nursed her back, and then just when they realized that she would be okay again and that she would get out of hospital because at first it didn't look like that, they called me and they called her, which I thought was the worst, to tell her that she cannot come back to live there. Oh. I mean, if you if you have a tenant, you can't just throw them into the street, can you? You but, have to go Yeah, but she was a family member... And so they told her, you know, we don't want to take the responsibility. It's too dangerous. You might get ill again. You cannot come and live here anymore. It was devastating. I mean, just imagine that, you know, you've been in hospital for three months. You're finally recovering. And you know that in a couple of weeks you can get out. You know, you can go back home. And they tell you, "Uh uh-oh. That, for me, that hurt so much. That, you know, I mean, I was so upset, so upset, so upset, you can't even imagine. And uh, and I went to see, I went to stay in this apartment because we paid rent for the whole three months and continued to do so until we had the last piece of furniture moved out. And I stayed there for a few days because I needed to look for another solution, right, for my mom. So I mm-hmm. stayed there, and uh, and of course, in those days that I stayed there, I did not have too much to do with the rest of the family because, I mean, I was upset with them. You know, you can't even imagine how much. But I was polite. I said, hi, good morning, good evening, whenever I saw someone, but I didn't visit, you know, and and eat with them or whatever. And And then they complained and criticized me for my behavior. I'm there, but I don't tell them what I'm doing all day. You know, I just sort of sleep there. <laughs> and my mom said to them, well, what do you expect? <laughs> you know, I mean, you throw us out, you treat us worse than you would treat any tenant. Yeah. And then you're surprised that she's just polite, but she's not like a family member. Mm-hmm. You know, Surprise. we just have to <laughs> type of behavior, we need to just push it away and say, okay, has nothing to do with me personally. It is their problem because, you know, obviously it was their problem, whatever uh, got them to do this. It was not my problem. I mean, it was yeah. my problem because I had to find another solution, but it was not because of me or because of my mom. And so we need to really differentiate that, but we don't need to analyze the reason why the other person criticizes, because that, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You don't want to waste your breath and your time on that either. This is true. Well, um, I predicted that we would uh, not uh, have nearly enough time to cover (laughs) all of the facets of this particular topic. But I actually, I think we did pretty well today. And uh, we are now nearing the end of the top of our hour. So I will say 
Barbara, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, and um, I do believe you're going to come back with us again and share some more moments to be, yes? Yes, definitely. I would love to. It's, I, I really enjoy this. Yeah, very very good. You just let uh, my assistant know which topics you want to talk about. I send you some well, more moments to be, and you tell her which ones you choose, and we talk about them. That is wonderful, and uh, echo that, listeners. If you visit uh, thetobebook.com, you can pick up your copy of Moments to Be, and um, feel free to visit thespeedwayshow.com and send us your request for what we cover. And um, you can also send me an email at info uh, info at com, And uh, let us know what you'd like Barbara to focus on. And in the meantime, we'll just do our thing. So thank you so much for joining us, and uh, come back next week for another episode of The Speedway Show. So until then, go in peace. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.